Welcome to the Dr. Aaron L. Albert Show. I am your host, Aaron Albert, and we're going to talk about a variety of topics, both inside healthcare, life sciences, and pharma, as well as outside. In this podcast, I'll share with you some of the best tips, tricks, best practices, books, and resources out there to help you live a better life. So stay tuned, an episode is just up next. Hey everybody, it's Erin Albert, and we're back for our continuing mini-series on pharmacy tribes, orgs, and associations, what and who you need to know in 2020 and beyond. And the next gentleman has uh, been uh, involved, and I've really appreciated his his expertise in the realm of the pharmaceutical industry specifically for pharmacy students who are interested in fellowships as well as careers in the pharmaceutical industry. He's none other than Jim Alexander. He is the founder and executive director of the Industry Pharmacist Organization. So super excited to have him here on the show. And I inevitably start with the same question of all the guests. Jim, how did you get to where you are today in your own career? Oh, thanks, Aaron. It's really a pleasure to join you here today and just explored every area of pharmacy and then some that I could. So I picked out and created some of my own, the most exotic rotations possible, just try to push the envelope and see what was out there. And I was fortunate to get an internship at uh, a leading pharmaceutical company one summer, and that really changed everything for me. It opened up my eyes as to all the things that uh, a pharmacist could do um, as part of a pharmaceutical company, and uh, being somebody who might get bored doing the same thing over and over, I saw an endless possibility of opportunity, both kind of upward and lateral mobility, and I saw pharmacists doing things that I, you know, I thought, wow, if I ever did get bored doing this, I'll just go do what Jane's doing over there. And so that changed everything for me. And then it was a um, a big ask, actually, from there, like, well, all right, now I've seen the candy store and everything it offers, but how do I select what I want to do? And, uh, you know, I was one of the first Rutgers fellows way back in the day. And that gave me an opportunity to experience several different areas. I stayed with the host company at that time, which was Warner Lambert Park Davis. But what I usually have to share with folks is, well, you don't recognize the the brand name because it's now part of Pfizer, but we invented Lipitor. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Atorvastatin, we get that. So I stayed there after my fellowship for, I think it was there maybe a total of 15 years. We got by Pfizer, bought by Pfizer, it kind of freed me up to do other things. I went back to, at the time, Dean Calazzi and Dr. Barone at Rutgers and just said, hey, what do you have available here that I could get involved with? You guys were really good to me. And uh, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I'm not ready to just jump back into the next corporate thing. So a day became a month, a year, 10 years, 
trained a lot of pharmacists through the fellowship program there and enjoyed it immensely. I started looking at wherever the light at the end of my tunnel is and the runway I had left and, hey, I want to, if I'm going to do something else, even though I enjoy this, now's the time to think about that. So it was in that soul-searching process that I ended up doing a few different things, including, you know, I had the idea for IPHO. Um, so right now I'm, I work full-time as an executive recruiter for the pharmaceutical industry. I'm really proud that this hobby that I started uh, seven years ago with a, a team of friends and colleagues has grown into what it is. So I usually, when I'm addressing students, I just say, hey, look at all the things that you can do with your PharmD. I was an industry. I was a teacher. Uh, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a recruiter. I ran a CME company, an online company for three years. So uh, I was fortunate, again, early in my career to just have an open mind and be exposed to a lot of different things. And I've pursued a lot of them. And uh, so that's always my message to pharmacy students is just, hey, take the time to look around because there's a lot you can do with your degree. Yeah, and I love that you've created something from scratch. Like you found the need, you found the gap, and then you just filled it. So we're here today to talk about the Industry Pharmacist Organization as one of the tribes that we're exploring in this mini-series here on the podcast. So can you break it down for maybe some pharmacists out there that are listening that have maybe never heard of this organization? What's its mission, vision, and values? Our single-minded goal is really to serve our members as all organizations, but as the proven path to the pharmaceutical industry uh, for pharmacists. And our focus is helping our members with their careers, matching them up with relevant, relevant professional development and career advancement opportunities. And I think, I don't know, I like the word tribe that you're using. I feel like that might apply to us because one of the things that sets us apart is um, this has been a hobby for me. I'm employed full-time elsewhere. There's tons of volunteers out there, students, fellows, and industry pharmacists who really shape and help run the organization every day. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't even say that we can't do it without them because they are it. And, uh, you know, I help manage the whole thing, but... It's been uh, a tremendous journey over the last seven years uh, to build something from scratch. Yeah, and the whole onus of doing this series is to kind of shop around and think through the new decade now that's coming about what associations and or tribes the individual pharmacist wants to associate with over the coming year or the new year. Um, what, what types of individuals should get involved with the industry pharmacist organization, Jim? Well, we've got 75 student chapters in our national network. So number one, students who are just looking around and trying to figure out what they want to do with their careers. And, you know, one of the things we promote is we're not trying to convert everybody. We just like the fact that we can provide exposure uh, to folks who want to ex explore different things. Um, we have a lot of the current fellows. There's 552 um, very active in our organization. We have a whole National Fellows Council. 
And then pharmacists who have been perhaps working retail or another setting, but want to break into the pharmaceutical industry. Um, pharmacists who are already working at companies generally tend to gravitate towards uh, organizations like DIA, MAPS, RAPS, and so on. So we're, uh, uh, I think, a, a pipeline, um, a conduit for those who want to explore and perhaps pursue career opportunities in the pharmaceutical industry. So uh, I love that. I love that you're working with a lot of students. How could a pharmacy student go about starting a chapter of uh, the industry pharmacist organization at their school, maybe if they don't have one? Uh, what's What's been interesting is this, I mean, breaking news like growth that we've experienced uh, over seven years from zero to 75 chapters. We do very little proactive reach outreach to universities. We don't try to convert anybody. Um, we just continue to get our message out there, and like I said, and help them make informed career choices. But um, most of those 75 chapters, almost all, have come to us. You know, raise their hand, and now that the word is spread, you know, we've always got a pretty deep pipeline of schools who want to start a chapter. And so just reach out to us at support at industrypharmacist.org. And we've got uh, a few folks who are in infra infrastructure that can walk a student through the steps. It's usually pretty easy, honestly. Um, the higher hurdle is usually locally. And then, you know, we do have a checklist that they need to meet. Um, most importantly, you know, a group of motivated folks who can start an e-board and have the and also have the support of the local institution. So if you have somebody that's involved in the organization, are there like association dues or what? And then what on the flip side are the uh, unique features and benefits of being aligned or a part of the industry pharmacist organization? One of the things, again, that may set us apart and I really like about our organization is um, we have thousands of student members through our local chapters, and we don't charge national dues, not a requirement. We want our e-board officers, uh, the folks who lead the chapter, to be members. But um, it's, a, I think, an excellent way. We built out so many benefits and services. Um, they're free. Okay, yeah, you know, we've got uh, a lot of things also, you know, behind the membership curtain. Um, but people can go in and poke around there and and get, you know, tremendous content, we believe, and help to make an initial choice for them along with being a part of their local chapter about whether it's uh, relevant and interesting for them. For those who are motivated and serious and sort of from that subset of thousands and thousands, um, you know, for, the, for those that are motivated and serious about industry as a potential career path, they see what we're doing and the light bulb comes on. So they're, I think, attracted to kind of what they view as unlimited potential in industry and a lot of different things that they could do, impacting patient care on a global level you know, bringing new medicines to the hands of patients who need them. But we provide the tools and resources to make that possible. So I'd say the awareness piece of it 
and the beginning of starting to experience that, you know, is all uh, is free. It's complimentary. They might pay local dues, but not national dues. But we help uh, our members through coaching and specific webinars. And, you know, we have a fellowship catalog um, and mentoring and a lot of different programs that help take things from, hey, I'm now aware, I want to experience this, and okay, I've experienced it, now I really want to explore and, uh, you know, may potentially pursue this as my career path. Interesting. And so uh, one of the questions that I had sent you, which maybe is, it doesn't sound like it might be a problem for your organization, but a lot of millennials and Gen Z, it's been said, at least on the association side of the world, that they don't tend to join organizations. So is that a challenge for your organization? And or what do you foresee this organization or tribe looking like maybe 10 years from now? Okay. Yeah, well, I, I chuckled a little when I saw the questions you sent them to me because um, all of our members almost are, it's almost exclusively Gen Y and Z, you know, and they're the ones who helped have helped grow and shape it as we see it today. I think their voice is not only heard, it drives our, direction and helps us to constantly sort of remain in that innovation mode. We started with a whiteboard and the way I view it is um, we've only got a tiny bit of the space filled there. Uh, Not sure where it's going. It's going to go where they want it to go. So, you know, if we're truly meeting unmet needs and providing value, then you become a member. Otherwise, you know, utilize the free services that I I mentioned, and, you know, we're happy with that. And I think we offer something perhaps fun and different and exciting when compared with everyday life as a student pharmacist. I think, you know, there's a bit of an awakening for folks when they realize, oh, you know, all these things are available they're not telling me about in the classroom. Well, you do, Aaron, because you have a great um, collective course, but a lot of students don't even have that exposure. So, you know, there's such energy and passion in our group nationwide. We had, we were able this year, took the next big leap and had our first standalone national meeting. And is here in New Jersey where I am today. There's only 10 students from New Jersey. Wow. There's 400 students from 78 schools in 38 states. And to see them all together was really amazing. So I feel like, you know, we do tons on social media. There's structure, but it's not overbearing. And, you know, we also allow, well, promote, not allow, a lot of flexibility to our local chapters to bring the kind of programming that they want. And not a lot of it is sort of force-fed from national. Cool. And so it sounds like your first conference was a huge success, and that's wonderful. Um, We were talking a little bit before we started recording about the changing, ever-changing dynamic of the pharmacy industry overall. And you're more on the industry side of the fence um, versus maybe community practice or institutional practice. What trends are you seeing on the industry side when it comes to 
hiring and uh, promoting pharmacists within the pharmaceutical industry? Yeah, well, there's some changes we'd like to help affect uh, for sure. But the things that, I, uh, that I've seen in the last 5, 10, certainly 20 years is a huge swing, you know, back towards science and value in the pharmaceutical industry. And then who better than a pharmacist? I mean, if you're going to start a pharmaceutical company, wouldn't you want a medication expert? So, I mean, who better to hire into, I mean, a variety of, of different roles? So uh, I think uh, that and, you know, pharmacists understanding of the value of medications. I think we undervalue ourselves just in terms of how we understand the distribution system, the healthcare delivery system, and how that all interacts. And when you go to, you know, if you're somebody who works in a pharmaceutical company and you're a pharmacist and you realize, you, you get, well, you know, how am I going to look at the, There's all these smart people and, you know, there's business people and lawyers and like, what am I going to bring to that? None of them understand that. And so it's tremendously value valuable to understand just healthcare practitioners, how they interact, how things get from point A to point B, and how they get paid for. So I really do, you know, I'm on a soapbox, I guess, but I feel like, you know, companies really, really should hire even more pharmacists as the decision makers. I mean, there's no profession more ethical, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, again, as the medication experts, understanding the value of medications and the patient. I feel like, uh, you know, the sky's the limit. I'd love to see in 10 years, um, you know, we needed to do more on the advocacy front um, to encourage employers in the industry to just hire students coming out of school. The fellowship programs, which are great, I never say a bad word about a fellowship program, one changed my life. Uh, my professional life and my personal life. Um, they're great, but the companies uh, tend to lean on those. And every year, I mean, we keep, we do a lot of research and connecting with folks and asking people to share their journeys through our website and through social media. And wow, there's seems like there's under 100 uh, pharmacy students just coming out of school every year who actually secure a full-time role with a pharmaceutical company. So the fellowship formula, where you do basically, for those who aren't familiar, like a two-year residency at a pharmaceutical company, um, that formula certainly is trusted and proven. Um, but why not just hire pharmacists coming out of school now and give them a little training? Sure, they need a little more training. Uh, to understand the corporate environment and be a real contributor, but just hire them full time. And there's many, many suitable entry level roles for pharmacists um, that they could be uh, occupying right at graduation. Shifting gears a little bit, Jim, there's kind of a faction or a group of pharmacists out in the ether that believes that our profession has just gotten too splintered. And, and that kind of plays into the fact that some associations are not having the younger generations join as often. You kind of have the opposite, um, it sounds like, with your own tribe. 
But what do you think about unifying pharmacy overall? And let's be honest, you know, there's some huge changes going out on out here in the ether. So what suggestions do you have to unify pharmacy moving forward with all of the tribes and associations, if any? Yeah, um, that's, you know, since I've been involved with pharmacy, which is well over 30 years, that's always been a, a core issue. You look at other professions, uh, you know, the physicians have AMA and they seem to be a very effective lobbying force. I guess it's a little bit of a, a double-edged sword because, I mean, <laughs> the fabric of our society today is like access to variety and individual choice is such a big part of that. And that applies to our profession as well. And, you know, especially with the supply and demand equation we visited about earlier, traditional pharmacy roles, there's not enough of them. So there's going to be more and more pharmacists who can't find jobs and or looking for choice. So I think on that individual level, as a profession, it's just critical we continue to emphasize non-traditional roles. Uh, we're very capable of doing many things as pharmacists. Um, and, you know, uh, situations, uh, you know, career choices where we can fully apply our comprehensive training. But on a macro level, you know, yeah, I can't help but uh, agree with the splinter group that you mentioned. I think it's more than just a splinter. We kind of all might long for that. You know, I've always been a pharma pharmacist first in everything I've done. And I do wish we could have that one voice in my mind through APHA. Um, that's the first organization I joined and kind of where I started to grow up in pharmacy. And, you know, we might have different career interests and sort of the individual organizations perhaps could continue to deliver all that. But I'd really like to see everybody get behind that one organization. And if the umbrella is APHA, that's it. Um, to, you know, effect real change in the scope of our uh, pharmacy practice laws at federal or state or whatever local level is, is possible. Um, I, I know there's alliances where folks share ideas and, and so on, but, you know, I, I really do have always wished that we could unify that one voice as it comes in particular to lobbying efforts and getting behind a few things, not everything, just a couple things that could really affect change for our profession. Yeah, I, I know I've heard on some issues, a lot of lawmakers get frustrated with us because different areas of pharmacy practice believe sometimes polar opposite things when it comes to a bill or a topic that the lawmakers are kind of forced to take a look at. And their frustration lies in the fact that, you know, different areas of pharmacy practice believe different sides of the, the, the issue. So it is a challenge. And I think the opportunity and the challenge are kind of mirrors of each other in that we have more career variety than we've ever had as a profession. But the flip side of that is we have different, you know, uh, opinions and different areas of industry that we're covering. And sometimes those don't always fit together. 
So I appreciate you kind of sharing your kind of bigger picture uh, utopia, if you will, when it comes to pharmacy. So back to the industry pharmacist organization, Jim, where can people learn more about your organization and industry pharmacy? Well, thank you. Uh, you know, we can always email us at support at industryphharmacist.org. People like to communicate in, in different modes and, you know, we're on very active on social media, again, because of our Gen Y and C um, user and member base. Um, so easy on Instagram, industryphharmacist.org, Twitter, IPHORG, Facebook, LinkedIn. I mean, all one has to do is, uh, who's interested, go to the website, industryphharmacist.org. And, you know, we've got the social icons there to uh, match up with whatever medium people want. Are you on Snapchat or TikTok yet with the, the Gen Z kids? <laughs> no, we're not doing the Snap. We've stayed on the Insta. You know, uh, we're exploring different things. I actually would like to uh, congratulations on your successful ventures into podcasts. We'd like to do certainly more of, of that. I, I see big growth there and it's a unmet need for us. But as volunteers and, you know, limited resources, we do end up focusing on probably fewer channels, but I don't think now, as, as far as I know, we do try to keep track of what's going on with all the chapters and we're not always <laughs> um, successful at it, but they might've tried it. We haven't nationally. Yet. Well, I'll keep my eyes peeled on TikTok for y'all. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so with that, Jim Alexander, executive director and founder of the Industry Pharmacists Organization, thank you for sharing about your organization today and industry as kind of an opportunity for the next generations in pharmacy practice. Thanks so much, Erin. I appreciate it. And again, to close, one suggestion for student pharmacists is, you know, Take the time to look around. Don't get caught up in your exam to exam life. I know the curriculum is difficult. There's so many things you can do with your PharmD degree. Doesn't mean it's industry. There's just a lot of different things. So uh, good luck and have fun exploring. And thanks for today, Erin. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dr. Aaron L. Albert Show. I hope you found today's episode super informative, as have I. If you're interested in connecting with me, I would love to hear your show topic ideas, and I'm certainly not limited to healthcare at this point. So feel free to reach out to me at Twitter at Aaron L. Albert. You can find me at LinkedIn as well, or at my website, www.aaronalbert.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.